Hi there and welcome. This is Amanda, the founder of Astrology Hub, and you're listening to our week ahead snapshot with world-class astrologer, historian, and author of the Cosmic Calendar, Christopher Renstrom. This show is designed to give you a quick overview of the week ahead, enabling you the gift of choice in how you navigate and weave these energies into your daily life. Enjoy. Hello, my name is Christopher Renstrom, and I'm your weekly horoscope columnist here on Astrology Hub. And this week, I wanted to talk to you about the upcoming Venus-Saturn square on September 17th. Now, squares in astrology have a little bit of a negative reputation. That's because the nature of a square is said to be of the nature of the planet Mars, meaning combative and hostile. Essentially, what it means is that when the two planets are squaring one another, each one is struggling to get the upper hand, but neither is really going to be granted the upper hand or a clear-cut victory. And so the emphasis of the energy is really on this struggling and this fighting. Now, in some regards, uh, it can be a struggle to the death, you know, where the two planets are absolutely fighting against each other and, 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 and there's no quarter uh, that they will give to one another. One must be victorious. Um, but then there can also be situations in which the struggle or the uh, combativeness that is, exists between the planets somehow transforms itself or transitions itself rather from combative to collaborative. In other words, through this struggle, the planets kind of discover that there might be a common cause that they have and so that they work towards achieving or accomplishing that, that common goal. Now, I thought long and hard about what would be a good example of a struggle or, 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 or a square between this week's Venus in Scorpio and Saturn in Aquarius. Now, Venus in Scorpio has a bit of a dark reputation. I like to refer to Venus in Scorpio as a film noir Venus. That is, it has this reputation for being a femme fatale, for having secrets or some kind of sordid past, and showing up on the hero's doorstep um, in the middle of the night uh, with some sort of plea for help, um, which is actually a disguised uh, form of manipulation to somehow bring him into some web of conspiracy or, or misdoing. Um, this is basically the way it's been portrayed in films like The Maltese Falcon or Double Indemnity or The Postman Always Rings Twice. It's a dangerous, nefarious woman with a deep, dark secret uh, who ensnares the hero in a web of deception. So nothing, <laughs> nothing slightly misogynistic about that. But anyway, that's basically the way that um, the femme fatale is represented in, in film noir. And Venus and Scorpio has indeed a reputation in astrology for uh, finding itself in uh, dangerous or suspicious situations and circumstances. Basically, a Venus and Scorpio is often uh, interpreted as being trouble. Now, the Saturn in Aquarius is, well, we have Saturn in his own sign, so he's in the stronger position here. And the Saturn in Aquarius is supposed to represent these sort of pristine ideals, these enlightened truths, the highest principles within all of our, in, 
within all of us that can never be compromised or sullied. So you have this idea of a Venus in Scorpio, which is carrying all these secrets or, or, or these deceptions, you know, imposing itself upon a Saturn in Aquarius, which is supposed to be upstanding and highly principled. So what I thought of when I was thinking of the square was one of my favorite films, which was made by Alfred Hitchcock in 1935, and it's called The 39 Steps. The 39 Steps is a marvelous uh, movie. It's really kind of the predecessor to North by Northwest. But in The 39 Steps, we have a Canadian whose name is Richard Hannay, and he's attending um, a, a show, a pavilion show, or, or a really a, a dance hall show, uh, which is called the Mr. Memory Show. And, the, and, and Mr. Memory is this fellow. He's, he's this brilliant mind who comes on stage and there's a cheesy little theme song that plays. And the MC says, ask Mr. Memory a question and he shall answer it to the audience. And so the audience raises their hands and they ask all these wild and crazy questions. And Mr. Memory, for some reason, is able to answer every single one of them. Actually, that's not for some reason. Mr. Memory has this brilliant mind of uh, and and, and memory for facts. And so he's able to answer all of these questions upon request. And at this show, uh, Richard Hannay is just sort of like enjoying it and trying to get a better view. And he meets this dark and sultry woman. Um, and she says to him, you know, you're very attractive. You're very sexy. Like, what are you doing afterwards or whatever? And so he finds her like stunningly attractive. And, and, and she basically picks him up at the Mr. Memory show. And he agrees to have um, a romantic uh, rendezvous with her. But when they get back to his apartment, she reveals to him that she is a counter-espionage spy and that she um, is on the trail to these uh, spies who are who have infiltrated England and they're trying to secret out of the country uh, these secret military plans, which could uh, which could really ruin the war for, for England and, 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 and serve up uh, or, or, or could, could ruin uh, England standing in its in competition with Nazi Germany and really serve up secrets to 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 the enemy power and she says to him you 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 will find this nest of spies in this little village in Scotland and you have to go there and um, you have to tell Scotland Yard to go there and to arrest them uh, before these secrets get out but before she can reveal all she's stabbed in the back at his apartment and she and she dies in his arms and she and and while she she's dying, she whispers to him, ask, ask them the question of the 39 steps. And he's like, what's the 39 steps? And she's like, I'm dead. Okay. And so she dies. She expires in his arms. And so at that moment, you know, he has to race from this apartment and he's got this map that she gave him, which she circled this little town in Scotland and he's got to get to Scotland. And um, he's not only has the men who had stabbed her, you know, uh, following him, but um, there's a call for the police and her body is discovered and he immediately, of course, becomes the criminal and is on the run from justice and heading towards Scotland. So what I wanted to sort of illustrate here is Venus is not necessarily the femme fatale, but it's an energy of attraction. Venus is the planet of attraction in astrology, and she'll describe what we attract or draw into our lives. And when Venus is in Scorpio, we have a tendency to draw into our lives things 
that have very strong scorpionic themes. Okay, so these might be life or death situations, this might be secrets, this might be deceptions, this might be information that um, we're made privy to that immediately compromises um, us in some kind of way. But, but Venus in Scorpio is really sort of about attracting this energy into your life, where all of a sudden your normal day-to-day -day world is transformed into a strange and treacherous landscape in which you're going to need help to get out of this. Um, and again, this could be someone coming to you with a secret. This could be someone coming to you with a life or death request. This could be someone who is manipulating you, or it could simply be someone who's coming into your life who's in dire straits and who needs your help and who doesn't know what to do. And you find yourself all of a sudden responsible for someone else's life in some way. So Venus in Scorpio is usually something that's very intense. Okay, so this is kind of like setting up one part of the square to Saturn, which is in Aquarius. Now, as we continue with our story, Henne uh, takes a train to uh, Scotland. And, um, and the police are hot on his tail, as I, as I already described. And in fact, they're going through the different compartments on this train looking for him. And he's, you know, staying just barely a couple of steps ahead. And he sees in this uh, one compartment that there's a woman that's sitting there. Her name's Pamela, and she's blonde, and she's very beautiful. And he comes into the car compartment very quickly and says, can I sit here? And she's like, who are you? And what are you doing in this compartment? And leave immediately or whatever. And he's like, I'm madly in love with you. And she's like, what? And he immediately kisses her. And he holds that kiss and embrace as the police come by, look in the compartment, open up the door and say, oh, sorry for our intrusion or whatever, and then continue searching the rest of the play, uh, the rest of the train. At that moment, Pamela struggles free, and she's like, who are you? And she slaps him, and she's like, police, police. And she immediately, you know, frees herself of him and his untoward advances and heads out into the hallway and calls out for the police. At that moment, uh, the train is kind of like slowing down. Hannah jumps off the train and flees and hides under a bridge and eludes the police and Pamela and the train go on their way. Well, long story short, he makes his way to uh, this little town in Scotland where he discovers um, for himself that actually the major people in the town, like it's the head policeman and the mayor are actually this, this ring of spies and that they're kind of keeping up idyllic appearances in this Scottish town and that he has come upon the enemy itself. And so uh, he has to escape them and he does. And one of the ways that he escapes is, is he escapes disguising himself as a milkman or something else. And he shows up at this political rally where he's asked to, you know, give a speech. They mistake him for the speaker for that night. And he goes out in front of the uh, stage and he gives this speech um, about political revolution and things like that. There's these Aquarius themes that sort of show up here. And of course, Pamela is kind of like a communist. Uh, I mean, it's actually a communist rally. They don't come out and say it, but it is. And she's attending it and she recognizes him immediately and she goes and gets the police. And, you know, and, and, and so the police arrest him, take him off stage, but they also arrest arrest Pamela and they handcuffed the two of them together. And this is what I, the part of the story that I wanted to get to, the square. Squares between planets, as I've already said, can be combative and they can be competitive. They can be, they, they struggle with each other. But what I like to use as an image or an idea for a square between planets is 
fugitives from justice who find themselves handcuffed to each other. So here we get to the part of the story in which Pamela and uh, Richard are handcuffed to each other. She is like, telling the police you have to let me go I'm the one who warned you against him or whatever and they're like oh you're working with him and she's like I am not working with him and he's like oh yes she is you know and and he's saying whatever he needs to to keep her with him because they are now handcuffed to each other um and and when they're driving back to the police station they actually don't drive back to the police station and she begins to realize that there's something that's really fishy about these police officers and uh, Richard who's actually told her some of the story of what's going on and she's st starting to sort of slowly believe him. Uh, the car is slowed down because some shepherds are escorting sheep across a bridge or something like that. It's Scotland in the 30s. And um, they run out and they're handcuffed to one another. And that's how they spend the next se section of the movie, handcuffed to each other. And this is another way that the Venus and the Saturn square works. It's this handcuffing of the planet's to each other. They cannot escape each other and they're not in agreement with each other. So as I was saying earlier, they have to find some way to help each other out. And so, you know, her life is on the line now. She's being treated like a, a fugitive of justice. She has to help him and, and she doesn't want to. She doesn't have want anything to do with this person. But over time, as he's describing the story and his plight to her, she's beginning to sort of put two and two together and that the police weren't heading to the police station and that they were acting really quite suspiciously. And maybe there's something to his story as, as uh, that he's describing. And this is in effect, how the square between the planets work. As the planets wear each other's resistance down, they begin to sort of understand that there's some validity to the other one's position. For instance, um, the Venus and Scorpio might have escorted or brought some kind of trouble or difficulty into your life. And your first response might've been if you're the Saturn part of the equation to refuse to have anything to do with it, only to realize that there's something to what this person is saying. And so you then find yourself believing or, or even siding with this person. Or let's say um, you're the Venus and Scorpio, you're trying to get some help in your meeting with closed doors or whatever. And then you find that one person who who, who actually is in a position to help you because you are united to each other through common cause. Maybe you are our fellow workers at work or you have loved ones in common or friends in common, but somehow there's common cause so that you go from maybe refusing to have anything to do with this situation or not wanting anything to do with this situation at all. Again, Venus and Scorpio always brings something that's dark and questionable, but then finding yourself either convinced or forced by circumstances to give a helping hand. And that's essentially how this, uh, how this square will work in your life. Eventually, they go on all these misadventures and they figure out that everything leads back to the Mr. Memory show. So they're back in London at the Mr. Memory show and they're out of their hand. Well, he still has his handcuff, but she was able to slip out of hers, but now she's helping him. And they're back at the Mr. Memory show and there, uh, you know, Mr. Memory is there performing for the audience to answer all these questions. And the police in London recognize him immediately in the dangling handcuff and they handcuff him and, and Pamela starts, tries pleading with them to let him go and that there's something, you know, that, 
that, that there's a military secret and all these sorts of things. And at that point, Richard Hannay shouts out to Mr. Memory, what is the secret of the 39 steps? It's the best part of the movie. He shouts out, what is the secret of the 39 steps? And Mr. Memory like stops and he's like, um, um, and he's like, answer it. And Mr. Memory begins to recite the military secret of the 39 steps. What the spies had done is that rather than have papers that could have been found or confiscated, they forced Mr. Memory to memorize the secret formula to the silent aircraft that would move the war in the in Germany's direction or something like that. And, um, and so he is compelled uh, to answer the question. And as he begins to answer the question, one of the spies who's been running around uh, shoots him and he collapses. Um, and there's this big scandal and uproar in the hall and, 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 and crowd going crazy. But um, Scotland Yard and the police show up and Mr. Memory is able to whisper in the ear of one of the officers, the secret of the 39 steps, which is the secret about this silent aircraft. And so he reveals all. And that's basically how this square is going to play out. Uh, you may find yourself embroiled in a situation that you had no intention of being embroiled in and you're trying to find your way out and you really don't know um, um, how to extract yourself from the situation. There's someone else who needs you desperately, um, or you're, 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 you might have found yourself complicit in some way uh, without meaning to be, or manipulated in some way by circumstances to help this person out. And so you may find yourself involved in this dilemma where you're being forced to help out in a situation which at first, you know, again, you didn't want to either because you're be your hand is being forced or maybe you've begun to see that there's validity to this other person's side or situation. So, so there are crazy adventures that are kind of like implied in a square like this. I mean, there's that sort of Mars adventure type of thing that comes through, but what you should know is no matter how this all plays out, and it's going to play out in a very sort of wild and crazy way, you will find that everything will be uh, revealed and you will find your answer or solution to the situation, or you may even find yourself exonerated when Venus moves from her uh, square to Saturn, which is this week, to her sextile to Jupiter in Aquarius on October 28th. Hi there, this is Amanda from Astrology Hub, and I have some exciting news to share with you. Our beloved Ann Ortley is offering a series of workshops on the myth, magic, and power of the goddesses and asteroids in your chart, and you're invited to join. If you're curious about how to interpret the impact of asteroids like Eris, Juno, Ceres, and Athena, as well as the other thousands of asteroids in the sky, you're going to love this workshop. It's happening live in September, and you get access to the recordings and course materials for life. Go to astrologyhub.com slash asteroids to learn more and join us today. That's astrologyhub.com slash asteroids.